Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Good morning. Happy Saturday. Welcome to another edition of the Northland Sports Page. Brian Prudhomme, Dave Cook. How are you this morning, everybody? Welcome to our first show of June. Yes, June. June. As I remind Dave Cook for the second time today, it's June. Yeah. Because I was talking about future shows, and you said, oh, yeah, that'll be May what? And I said, well, we can't go backwards. We're into June. And you went, oh, June. just discovered that. Yep. Welcome back to Arizona. Welcome to June, my friend. Yeah, that's that's 100% right. It, it uh, snuck up on me, shall we say. Um, you know, when you're, when you're spending so much time focused on something else, uh, days can get blended. Days got right. blended. And you were focusing on your trip to Arizona, which... I'm going to say went well because you're back in one piece and maybe you're in the Arizona weather as much as you don't like heat because it's only about 60 some right now. It looks like it's going to be a beautiful day, but you're rocking shorts right away. Well, it's the shortened and the official, the official apparel of Duluth in the summer. I got shorts and a sweatshirt. I was going to say, you've got got the Northern Minnesota look going, the hooded sweatshirt and shorts. It is what it is, and I can't mock it because I walked a couple miles before the show this morning. Guess what I wore for <laughs> yeah. my walk? A hooded sweatshirt and shorts. Yep. I remember back in the day working uh, in retail and looking at some different styles and coming up with these things, and then people elsewhere in the country saying, why is it always hooded and, and shorts? And it's like, well, that's what we see every day. Right. And I find it comfortable. I mean, I know it looks strange, and especially doing the two miles this morning, Probably ended up sweatier than I would have had I been a little smarter and gone into a t-shirt. But I'm very comfortable in a hoodie and shorts. I don't know about you. Well, the one thing I don't have today is a hat. Normally, I have a backwards hat on. So, And when I'm not at work. When I'm at right. work, I dress, of course, accordingly. But Right. Do you braid the beard at that point? Because it's kind no, of ponytail-ish is, today. Yeah, this was Brian. I just didn't have enough time to do my hair, oh. so I tossed it up in a ponytail. You never do anything nice for me anymore. <laughs> but we had a nice conversation the second I got in your car this morning to come here because we hadn't seen each other in a while, for one. And for two, positive news in Major League Baseball because I break everything down for the twin season. This is kind of the glory of this show for me because I break it down in what have they done since we were on the air last. And the best weeks that we've had have been the five and two weeks. Yep. And I looked at this week from Saturday, 10 a.m. to Saturday, 10 a.m., and the Twins once again went five and two, starting to create a little more distance between themselves and the rest of a bad division. And you hit me with an interesting question that seems so simple and it might be hard because you said, so is it possible that the Twins are good? And they're playing well, five and two, you know, 700-plus winning percentage for a week. You do that consistently, you're going to be in great shape. But I hesitated. Very, very Minnesota of me. You know, I love that as an adjective. I went, well, you know, they're winning. I'm not sure that they're playing well. They certainly don't have the lineup they thought they would. Somehow they're better with some of these guys missing. Now, I don't think long term you can be. It's a weird team, but enjoy the moment. Well, yeah, because the guys you thought were going to carry you are really not playing very well. Buxton is hot and cold and hitting, what, 206. Um, Correa now with the plantar fasciitis. Um, and hitting 230. Uh, That's Joey, Joey Gallo looked really good. Now he's at now he's at you know 198 and going to the IL. You want to? I mean, Kirilov's played well. Royce Lewis showed up hotter than right a pistol. Uh, that was good, huh? Yeah, um, that was quick editing by you. Yes, uh, I thought you were uh, telling me to be quiet because it was hotter <laughs> than shh pistol. Yes, uh, we had you know Jeffers looks like a major league catcher because sometimes Vas- Vasquez can't at hit. the plate he does behind the plate. I'm not sure what Ryan right. Jeffers looks and like. Vasquez is right. know, bipolar. You've got the Brian Harper Junior Ortiz thing going. Although Ryan Jeffers isn't going to hit 300. No, no, he is not. No, he is not. But I mean, so and and of course Kepler's up to his magic uh, 210 batting average. And your best two outfielders. They're probably playing in St. Paul right now, and, and Walner's hitting the devil out of the ball, and, and Larnock coming back. To go. Yeah, it is an interesting team. I thought about it last night, and Carried I thought by our bullpen, the Twins bullpen. have. Well, no, they're not. The, the bullpen <laughs> is the problem, really. Uh, the starting pitching has been unbelievable. We'll talk more about that as the show goes on. But I thought about this last night. We mentioned Gallo, Correa, Buxton, all disappointing to an extent. So you look at the lineup without them, and you go, "Well, the Twins have two different lineups. If they're in it." 
you have a much more powerful, scary lineup on paper. When they're not, they have a contact lineup in play. It's so simple, and it's a conversation people have a lot. Would you rather have a Bomba Squad type ability, which I think those three give you, or would you rather have a team that doesn't strike out like it's a hobby, which this new lineup tends to be better at? Yeah, that you know, it's an interesting point that you just made. Who's who, take the pitchers out of it because you hate to do MVPs with pitchers. Who's the MVP? With of the, the Twins, you're going to have to. Yeah, who's the? But if you take the pitchers out, who's the MVP well, for the first? Third? And we did this not too long ago because we did it at the quarter mark, and I gave it to Michael A. Taylor for steadying center field. He's been awful. He's been since awful. Then. Exactly. He's been dreadful ever since I anointed him the best thing to happen to this team. If the sample size is big enough now, it's Kirilov. We hesitated at the quarter mark because he played like 10 games. Now he looks like a professional hitter. The other guy that looks like a professional hitter when healthy is Polanco. It's it's yeah. one of those two if you have to go to a position player. And yet Polanco's played, what, 15 games? Because RBI-wise, it could be Larnick, but Larnick got sent down yeah. for, again, striking out like a hobby. Exactly. Right. And so it's it's just fascinating that this team is winning because, I mean, obviously the division isn't good, but they're playing pretty well against good teams out of the division right. with – Solano, who might be your Donovan MVP? Solano. How about Donnie Barrels? How about Willie Castro? Willie Castro, <laughs> spoiler alert for buy or sell. Going to talk some Willie Castro today. He's been, you know, we talk about steals of the draft. How about steals of why is this guy still out there? Because he was a regular for Detroit and then couldn't find a job. Well, we gave him one. We gave him several. Yeah, uh, he might be, you know, Kyle Farmer coming back from a nasty injury as a tough guy and producing when he came back. Maybe he's the guy. I mean, obviously it's a pitcher, but this line well, that's this harder because they're all good. Still winning. If you gave MVP and Cy Young like we did a couple weeks ago, it's not easy because the pitchers they're all good, the hitters they're all fairly poor in some regard. Yep. And, so it makes it a challenge. And and the starters for the most part have been really good. And and we're going to talk about building a pitcher and and you know. Spoiler alert, our closer might be part of the... Our closer is filthy in every way, shape, or form. We're playing good against good teams, and it's tough to... You point at the division and you say, well, your division stinks, that's why. And it does. But but they're playing, you know, they're taking two out of three from this team. They're taking two out of three from that team, and those teams are all good. Well, you know what it is, for me anyway, we're going to have Paul Allen in about an hour, and we're going to obviously have some Vikings talk because of that. June 1st in the NFL offseason is supposed to be a magical day. Well, again, newsflash to Dave Cook, June 1st has come and gone. But nothing really major happened. So it's just kind of the green light to, okay, things can happen, but nothing has as of yet. Now, you know, watch your phone throughout the day to day. You never know when something might take place as we're on the air here because we're with you till noon on the Northland Sports page. But the reason I bring up the Vikings for this Twins conversation is the Twins are starting to remind me a lot of the Vikings. The Vikings historically have played well against good teams. You put them up against a bad team, and you go, yep. well, Minnesota's going to be the team that's going to blow this. You look at the winless Lions playing the Vikings and getting the win. We talk about playing up to a level and playing down to a level of competition. The other thing for the Twins that is Viking-esque right now is you think of Mike Zimmer's last year. In one-possession games, the Vikings were going to find a way to lose. The Twins have had moments, because Lord knows before this week they struggled in a big way, where if it was tight, they were going to find a way to lose. Lately, during this little mini three-game win streak, there have been moments where you go, the game's hanging in the balance, wait for something to go wrong, and it hasn't. That's like Kevin O'Connell's first year. Well, yeah, uh, agreed. If you think about, you know, even like the Timberwolves this year, they went 0-12 against these bottom feeders. If they go 500, they're the four seed. So again, it's Minnesota as an adjective. When Minnesota, things go awry. And and now, and and you're right. So look at O'Connell, and he pulled pulled the right strings. And we're going to find out if that's because he, he was just... The message was so different that it was well-received, or if he's that guy. You know what I mean? We talk about sophomore slumps with players. Jose Miranda probably had the biggest because who knows when he's going to be back at the big league level. Although the way the Twins players are dropping (laughs) like flies, it could be next week. Absolutely. That's the other thing because, you know, Kevin O'Connell to Mike Zimmer, we talked about the culture was different. The results of one possession games are different. So those little changes made a difference in one season. I thought about this as the Twins closed out the Guardians one to nothing last night. I look at this season versus last, and granted, we didn't change leadership. We didn't change brass. We didn't go through the overhaul that the Vikings did. But there's not a lot that's different except for starting pitching because the team strikes out way too much. The team leans on the home run way too much. Players are dropping like flies. All of that was true in 2022. The difference is they have a pitching staff that is keeping them in every game. Yep, and and you're... 
your health on the pitching staff hasn't been a lot better, but your two horses have been healthy, three horses if you count Ryan, um, and then Bailey Ober is a major league pitcher. Right. Like he's gotten to that point now. And I don't think it's fair to say that this team got better because Malley and Maeda went down. No. But did we uncover the fact that Bailey Ober is certainly a major league pitcher? Louis Varland is kind of telling you, guess what? So am I. Yeah, yeah so I mean, am I. No, I, I agree with you. I, I don't think we'll ever see Kenta Maeda start another game for the Twins. No, I and I think he'd be a perfect guy. long reliever guy. Yep, I think he's I think he's in the bullpen. Um, I don't know what they're going to do. Malley obviously is done. Um, you know, we still have Paddock coming right. back at some point in the future. But, do you? Well, but we own it. You should. We right. got his contract. And we for want next to extend it now. Yeah. You get injured, stick around for a while. Yeah, that's exactly correct. So I think that, yeah, we found that that depth that we've been pining for, this, this, um, this regime, you know, the pitching depth, I think maybe you're starting to see those people come right. up because Simeon Woods Richardson is coming. They drafted some kids who are, you know, starting to, starting to play too. So here's the question: We, you know, we kind of made fun of Miranda coming up. When do you when do you bring up the kid they drafted last year, Brooks Lee? Because he's raking right now too. It's going to be really interesting. The young prospects that this team got just, you know, torn to shreds because yep. it's the nicest way I can put it for not being willing to part with them because the Bomba Squad needed one more piece or two to really make a run, and every other team wanted Lewis and/or Kirilov for that other piece. And the brass balked at it. And the fans, some of them, you know, mutiny. I can't believe this franchise yep. never wants to win. Yep. Okay, it's been a while since the Bomba squad, but Lewis and Kirloff might be your two most dependable guys. Now, Royce's sample size is very small. But right now, knock on wood, you're getting the dividends to show for those two guys. Doesn't Royce feel like a guy that's going to step up to a situation? Looks like a leader for a young kid. Yeah, it, it feels like the situation's not too big for him. Kirloff feels like the pro. You know what I mean? He's just he take like you said. He takes good at bats. He drives the ball. He's willing to do things that most people wouldn't in order to be a professional. Um, but it seems like Lewis is the guy that when the lights are bright, that's when he comes through. Um, and so, like you said, super small sample size. But it just kind of feels when when there's money on the table and Lewis is up, you kind of think something's good's going to happen. It's been interesting because with the Twins right now, as we talk to you, winners of three straight, creating some distance in the division. It does feel like. Watching the Twins, something good is going to happen. Yeah. You rewind just a week or so, and it wasn't like that. They lose two out of three to the Giants, who are not wonderful but not terrible. They lose two out of three to the Blue Jays, who are a very good team in the wrong division because the American League East is loaded. And that was after the Twins bumbled their way through a West Coast road trip. So there were stretches of like four and ten, and then suddenly it's been righted for now. So for me, this Yet Twins they play team, the Astros really well. Correct. Won the season series against the Yankees, Astros, and fared fine against the Dodgers. Yeah. So it's been very strange. This team for me, and I love baseball, so I don't even know if I can use the term unwatchable. But at times, this team for me is unwatchable and then entirely watchable, sometimes within the same hour. Yeah. You look at the lineup and you say, you know who'd really like this? Tom Kelly on a Sunday. This is, Every day they're running out the Tom Kelly Sunday lineup, which was all the guys that don't play during the week. Right. And uh, we're having to survive on those guys right now, and they're coming through. I was going to say, Rocco did that on Wednesday night, and was it suddenly the best thing that will happen to this team? The lineup um, came out on Twitter, and we all went, what is this? I don't know that I'll even look at it. Right. They blow out Houston and been rolling ever since. Yeah. No, I, I, it just feels right now. And, of course, baseball, you can't judge on a five-day five week because next five days, like you said, is going to be different. Um, but it feels like things are kind of going the right direction. It certainly does. So again, is it watchable? Is it unwatchable? The answer sometimes is yes. But for me, baseball takes center stage, especially this time of year. Again, we're into June. It's June 3rd. And the NBA Finals and Stanley Cup Finals will be going. The Stanley Cup Finals finally get going tonight. The NBA Finals are one game in. It was not a very close game. Newsflash, by the way. But the reason for me that baseball takes center stage is because Minnesota has been long out of those other two things. No shot at the NBA Finals. No shot at the Stanley Cup Finals. But then there's the matchups we got. We ended up with Denver versus Miami for the NBA Finals, and we've ended up with Florida versus Vegas for the Stanley Cup Finals. And a lot of people go, well, what do I want to watch those for? And I completely understand it. And those could be deemed, again, unwatchable. Now, I've seen this on Twitter, and I've seen other people you know, rise like the Phoenix to defend the Finals matchups and go, if you think this is unwatchable, you're just a sports elitist. And I kind of went, what? 
sports elitists are the ones that you don't worry about because they love the sport. Right. They're going to watch it and be married to it anyway. The reason we're calling it unwatchable is because we're talking to average Joe walking the street going, did you see the game last night? With these teams, probably not. Right. The elitists will defend it. Um, you're right, though. I mean, out the, the NHL Stanley Cup. I'm a big hockey fan. Right. Um, I want to watch to Chuck. I mean, there's there's no... And you're going to pronounce the T. Good for yeah, you. There's, there's no... Some of us want to watch Kachuk, but Dave wants to watch whatever he wants. Yeah, Go ahead. I mean, Vegas is, I've, as I've said, you know, Vegas to me is the worst uniforms in pro sports. That's kind of it. I mean, I'm glad They do for look Eichel. like bad practice jerseys, yeah, don't they? I, I'm, I'm a fan of Eichel. So, you know, congratulations for him because he was stuck in purgatory forever and then he got hurt. Right. Um, but it, it's Vegas and Florida. And then you get in the other the other one. I'm really glad for Jokic, right? I want yeah. him to be seen as the guy. And Murray is the perfect Robin. He's having the same coming out party for me, like Luka Doncic did. All of a sudden, we're going. Is this guy the best player in the NBA? Yep. And the answer might be yes. And and but I'm not going to watch Miami just to dislike Jimmy Butler. Well, right? and see, that's part of what I was going to ask you because again, I don't consider either one of us sports elitists. I saw that term on Twitter kicked around by local personalities, and I kind of eye rolled and said, okay, we need to stop just. Throwing terms out there. I don't think anybody's truly an elitist. Either you're interested or you're not. And my point is these matchups are difficult to rein people into the interested category. But that's part of what I was going to ask you. Are you interested if you have an investment either for a team or against a team? Because that's kind of what I want to do for the next 10, 15 minutes for the opening topic today is what makes something watchable or unwatchable. And then even further, what looked unwatchable on paper in a championship matchup that you watched anyway? Because I look at this and I go, well, Dave will watch this because he wants to make sure Jimmy loses. Well, I stand corrected because you just said the reverse. Because I think about all the times in my life that the Vikings have either not been in or eliminated from the playoff picture. You bet your you-know-what that I'm sitting down in front of the TV if the Packers are still alive, cheering for whoever they're playing, and then the minute they're done, I distance myself a little bit. Now, is that an indictment on me? Maybe. Mm -hmm. But I'm saying... People are more interested if a team they like is in it, like I was on Monday before the Celtics embarrassed themselves, Boy, or a team they, they hate is in it, like you have with the Heat. Yeah, I. So I get what you're saying, um, because my my dislike of Jimmy Butler is at the point where it is. I, I'm not going to watch it. I'm not going to watch it because if he does well, I'm not going to be happy, and and uh, if he if he does poorly, I can see that in the stats page, right? Um, what I don't want to do is watch him go off. Right. And so I'm not. Well, and that's, again, kind of what I wondered. You know, is the villainous nature of something good enough? And your answer is no. And I understand that. And I think I'm kind of with you. Now, I love basketball enough that I'll do more than a passing glance at it. Now, it will depend on I would rather and judge me accordingly. I would rather watch the Minnesota Twins play a game on June 3rd. And it'll be easy because the NBA finals don't play tonight. But even if you want to switch it over to the Stanley Cup Finals, I would rather watch a team that I'm 100% invested in play something at the one-third point of their season than watch the championship in either of these two sports. But that's me, and that's the Minnesota in me. But I think you're right. Do I want Denver to win? Yes. Mm -hmm. If Denver doesn't win, am I going to be beside myself? No. Correct. And that might be the difference. If the Packers win another Super Bowl in my lifetime, which they probably will at some point, I'm not going to be happy. The villain thing for me only goes so far. I don't lose sleep over other teams. Yeah, I, I agree with that, Brian. And, and I want to make sure that everybody understands that I love these two sports, right? I, I just don't have any time for the one team. And, and you know, I hope Denver wins, but the Nuggets really don't do anything for Well, me. and I wonder if that's part of the problem. It's the fact that strong opinions on one side or the other for any of these four teams are very hard to come by. Yeah. Do I hate Vegas? No, no, because if I think about the city, I want to go back. It's been too long. I love everything about Vegas in that sense. Do I like their hockey team? No. Am I jealous of their immediate success? Because my favorite yes. team came into existence not that long ago. You bet your bottom dollar I'm jealous of their success. Do I love the Florida Panthers? No. Kind of forgot about them until this run. Do I hate them? No. Kind of forgot about them before this run. Correct. Denver Nuggets. Cool market. Denver does a great job of supporting its teams. When it comes to their teams, the Nuggets is usually the one I forget, too. Yeah, I, I agree. Do I hate I, the Heat? Only because you told me to. They beat my favorite team last week. I still don't hate the Heat. Jimmy wins this? Cool, whatever. I, I actually like a bunch of the players on the Heat. You I know just who I like? never cheer for them. You know who I like? Their coach. 
Oh, yeah, their coaches. Because and, Eric Spolstra has been given no credit for most of his coaching life because he had Bosch, Wade, and oh, yeah, that LeBron guy. And he had, you know, Wade and Shaq prior to that. He's had loaded teams. This team is far from loaded. This is Jimmy Butler, and who the heck is that guy? Yeah, it's it's Jimmy Bam and everybody else. Right. But so Spolstra is a Hall of Fame coach because look at the personalities he's had to coach. Correct. Like LeBron. He's the anti-Del Harris for me. Remember when Del yeah. Harris got handed the loaded Lakers team and could do nothing with them, and they went, okay, bring Phil in here, and they got it done. Yeah, I mean, the difference between Jimmy and LeBron and Wade and, like you said, Shaq in, at the end of his career – Goodness gracious. And and yet Spolstra, he's like Popovich that way. You know, Popovich has had to wind his way through everything from Kawhi to David Robinson and everything in between, and all he does is win. So I think the question becomes not if these championship matchups are unwatchable because I don't think that's true, but it's will you give yourself the time or make time to watch it because that's the other side of the coin. You and I are going to talk now for, again, about eight, ten minutes about some of the championship matchups that we either said, this is going to be horrible, I'm not going to try, or this is probably going to be horrible, but I'm going to try it, and we were pleasantly surprised. Sport by sport, there's plenty to discuss. Well, I want to start with the one we talked about as it was going on, because I'm a college football guy, right? Yeah. I love college football. Right. Um, and I was sitting down, and I said, okay, what it's if This TCU, past season, wasn't yeah, it? I saw two plays. What if TCU, what if TCU, and, and I literally, after the third play, text you, I'm turning this off. Yeah. This game is going to be. What if TCU missed the bus to the stadium? They basically did. They basically did. And, and it became something that could be into something completely awful. The other thing I was, I was thinking about was, you know, I only saw two Viking Super Bowls, right? It's two more than me. Congratulations. But they also felt unwatchable yeah. because it just, at some point it, in, in uh, granted I was young, right. But at some point it felt like, well, this team that I'm supposed to like doesn't have a chance. It just feels bad. Well, and then the difference for me being 11 years younger than you, and we're going to spotlight that musically here today as well. We'll get to that in a moment. But again, I have seen none. I have seen NFC championship, you know, heartbreak and the Super Bowls that followed that deemed unwatchable for me. But that was personal because we talked about Denver because of the Nuggets. I think of the Broncos when it comes to Super Bowls. And before John Elway figured out how to win a couple, all the teams he brought there were terrible. Yep. So most of the Super Bowls they were in, it was quickly unwatchable. But even one of the ones he won because he beat the Atlanta Falcons, who bumped off the Vikings, not only was I bitter, but we all knew that Atlanta wasn't a very good team. That was a terrible Super Bowl. Yeah, and that's that's one of those that the Vikings, I think, if they come through it, they would have blown now, that. Now, the team. other one, Elway won. If you ask me what my favorite Super Bowl is, having not seen my favorite team in one, John Elway's helicopter run came against Green Bay. That was the best. Yeah, that that was that was pretty good, wasn't it? The um, the Super Bowl that was that was tough for me is, and again, this is an older one. Remember the Buffalo Bill team that went four straight and, yeah. and, and lost them all? Yeah. The third of those four was against Dallas, and that was the juggernaut Dallas team. Right. And you just, I mean, going into it, it felt like, well, Buffalo's going to get their butts kicked this time because that team, and and sure enough, you know, Dallas ran them off the, uh, you know, you know, boat raced them, as they say. And, um, yeah, th- that, ga- that game was unwatchable. Similar to the Seattle Denver game when Peyton Manning That was terrible. Right. But that's kind of how it felt. It was like, okay, this Super Bowl, if something magic happens for Denver because of Peyton Manning, okay. But this feels like Peyton Manning's gonna get killed. Right. The other one for me, and I brought it up before the show with you that I thought was terrible and I was not big on this team, and you'll be happy because you've never been big on this team. When the Niners faced San Diego, and it was Stan Humphreys and San Diego against the Niners, Junior Seau, etc. I wanted San Diego to win that game. I wanted the upset. I knew how big of an upset that was going to be. It didn't come anywhere near. Yeah, no, there's there's a number of Super Bowls like that. And frankly, the Atlanta-New England game, you know, when, when Atlanta was up big and then they gave uh, New England life uh, when Brady scored with like two seconds left in the first half, and you just knew, right? You didn't even need to watch the second half. You knew what was going to happen. They gave a team they should have put their, you know, what is it, to put your hand on their throat or whatever. Um, they didn't, and uh, New England in the second half, it was unwatchable. What about ones that are near and dear to us because of where we live and who we root for, and even though in one of these you rooted probably for the other team because I'm staring at your sweatshirt, but you think of the World Series. 
And the Twins and Braves played the best World Series ever for me, period. Now it helps that my favorite team won. But I'm thinking the nation looked at all this worst to first stuff and thought, I don't want to watch either of these two teams. And then in 87, you think about the Twins dismantled a very good Tigers team. America probably wanted Detroit in that World Series. St. Louis bumped off a San Francisco Giants team that was very good. America probably wanted the Giants in that World Series. Twins Cardinals, another great series that went seven. Maybe not great because the games weren't really all that close and the home teams won. But that probably looked bad to most of the country. It's near and dear to Minnesota. Yeah, no, I agree with that one. I think that, you know, the networks probably went, oh, no. And that's kind of what we're saying here with the unwatchable theory. You know, we love sports enough that will we do more than a passing glance at both the Stanley Cup finals and the NBA finals? Probably yes. And I love the fact that this show allows me to have that as an excuse. My wife will go by and go, you're watching another game. And I'll be able to say, hey, I'm, I'm doing homework. I'm I got to be able homework. to talk about it by Saturday. I can't not know. So it's, it's a bit of a haha excuse. But again, you think about the networks going, there's a lot of money invested in this that we're not going to get back. Oh my gosh! How about I mean, in the NHL thing, you know, the the contracts are always a little squirrely. <laughs> so it's going to get worse when Denver makes quick work of the Heat. It's two markets I, that probably aren't invested, and in. it probably won't go very long. I agree. You know what? The you talked about the the Braves Twins. You know, ninety one. It was still the time of cable, right? And right. So Atlanta still had a national cable following. And they were the kid. They were the young guns. Skip they had, Carey, yeah. Yep, they had all these stars that were all twenty three and under. And here comes the Twins team that again, you know, the worst first malarkey team happened. Don't to, forget they both were happened to be. Yeah, but one team was on the rocket ship. The other team sure. wasn't supposed. How did to they be. do this? Right. Yep. Um. And you know, the Toronto was the team to beat, right? And the Twins, Scott Erickson, um, Toronto to get there, and uh, you know, sure enough. Uh, that that team that nobody really wanted to be there in the first place uh, beat the the young stallions. Right. So when you look at the NBA, is that kind of the weirdest one? Because we're talking about how quote unwatchable, and that's not an elitist take, newsflash, but how unwatchable that supposedly is. To me, that's a little bit new because to me, no sport is fueled by star power better than the NBA, and they've had a litany of great ones just because of who was in it. All the bird magic stuff, the bad boys. You know, Popovich's teams with Duncan and Robinson, they were they were boring, but they were good. How many MJ yeah. finals did we Jazz. have? LeBron versus Steph Curry forever. I believe there was at least a trilogy there. It just seems like recently it's gotten bad. And in some ways, the bubble wrecked it. We didn't hang uh, with the NBA very well because of COVID. Yeah, okay. I, I see what you're saying. I think part of the problem in the NBA is... You know, it was fun. The super teams were fun at the beginning, right? I think that's run its course. Right. And so I think that there are people that are casual NBA fans who eye roll because, like in the NHL, the playoffs are different than the season, right? And it used to be that way with the NBA. You'd be like, okay, the game, and I've told you this, I love playoff NBA basketball because the athleticism and the superstars take over. Um, But when you've got players choosing their own teams uh, and and it's it's this super team against that super team and nobody else really has a shot. Right. I mean, it becomes... When we were all clearing out trapped. for Cleveland to play Golden State. Yeah, it becomes... It and becomes Shaq and Kobe were going to beat somebody boring. from the East. Yeah, it becomes boring. And so I think there's I think there's something to that. In the NHL, there's upsets all the time, right? And so the playoffs become different. Does that make the NHL the easiest to watch or the toughest? Because there's so many upsets, sometimes you don't remember. I remember being eye-rolly every time Vancouver seemed to be in it. I remember, oh, God, mm-hmm. the Canucks are representing yep. the West. I, I'm done with this. Imagine if Seattle would have. You know, Tampa had their run. Montreal made a surprise appearance not terribly long ago. Yep. But I feel like the NHL, and this is me, personal choice, I watch pro hockey probably the least of the four major pro sports. The last time I think I watched one start to finish, again, Vancouver, was when the Rangers beat them. But that was 1994, and I was in full-length casts all summer. I was kind of restrained to watching TV. And back then it was that or the OJ trial. What are you going to do? Well, the OJ trial, right? Right. Um, but the but if you think about, take the super team idea, right? In the NHL, the super teams, Toronto, the Rangers, because they went and got all these players to, you know, they got Kane, they got Tarasenko. Colorado. Yep, Colorado. Probably Vegas already. Colorado, though, is a homegrown super team. Right. Right. And so, and, and you might say Edmonton, but Edmonton has these huge, gigantic holes uh, along with their superstars. None of those teams did anything. 
it is interesting to see if upsets hurt or help because I think of all the Yankees' tremendous teams. And you just got back from Arizona. Yankees Diamondbacks, we thought, oh, this will be wonderful. Well, it turned out to be great. Turned out to be. Except for for Yankee fans, it was a great series. Yep. Yankees Marlins, how boring is this going to be? The Fish won that series. I mean, upsets, depending on the sport, seem to help. In the NBA, have we reached a point where if LeBron or Kevin Durant or Steph Curry aren't in it, no one cares? I Yeah, I think that's, I think that's very true. Um, I think that there are players that can get there with a run. Like, I think Luka would be there if, if uh, Dallas ever took a run. Do you know what I mean? Right. So here's the question. Denver, Miami, Florida, Vegas. We do have to do a little bit of research for the sake of this show to be able to at least discuss it. How much are you going to watch outside of, say, an elimination game? Um, I will probably watch both. Um, not as much as the NBA unless it's a you know a four-game series and Denver's ready to knock out Miami in four. I might watch that game. Right. You know what the biggest difficulty for me is? The pitch clock. Baseball breaks are shorter now. I used to be That's able to go, true. well, I'll flip over That's because I'll only miss three true. pitches. Yep. Being a big-time baseball fan makes it different. We're in our first show of June. Congratulations to all the seniors that had their last day yesterday. little musical fun today based on that senior year. Some of the songs you hear will be from my senior year, Duluth East class of 1997. Some of the songs you hear today will be from Dave Cook's senior year, Little Falls class of 1986. We are a senior show now, almost six, with the Northland Sports page. Stick around. We'll be right back. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. We'll sure try our best to be anything you need. Back on the Northland Sports page, Brian Prudhomme, Dave Cook, little sledgehammer from Peter Gabriel. Peter that, Gabriel. That yes. Year. That is a 1986 yeah. jam right there. <laughs> Peter Gabriel will be at the X coming up in October. My wife and I debated getting tickets to that one. We settled on Aerosmith in November instead. But that's part of it for me. I'm an old soul. I know I'm physically old to some people too. I'm 44. And my knees are about 84, so if you add it up, divide by two, I figure I'm about 64. But as we went through these musical selections, 97 for me, 86 for you in the year, how many times did I tell you, I really like your music better? Yeah, more than once, more than once. And I kept saying, boy, I wish I was doing 87 instead of 86. Yeah. But the um, um, the music choices are, it's interesting to see how music has progressed just from our conversations this morning. Um, like 1986 is the official music year of the really, really long intros. Yes. Like we were trying to figure out what song we could just jump right into. And it was like, how about this one? And it's like, no, nah, there's a good minute and a half of synthesizer. But you know what? It was very fitting for us because if there's a show that is the king of long intros, whether it's the music because we enjoy it or because we tend to morph into different conversations, go on tangents, we got to that opening topic, but boy, did we take a roundabout route. Yes, we did. 100%. That's the best part of the show. Right? Absolutely. And we want to give a long intro to our great sponsors. We have so many. We're thankful for all of them, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Let's start out with Krause Heating and Cooling, your carrier HVAC authorized dealer in the area. You know, and when you can carry carrier, you're a big deal. Yes. Right? Um, Advantage Emblem and Screen Printing, Sammy's Pizza, The Blackwoods Group, Avenue 45, Mount Royal Bottle Shop, Stewart's Bike Sports and Trophies, Famous Dave's, Kohler Toyota and Kohler Hyundai, Hoops Brewing, OAR Holdings, Justin May at Messina and Associates, and the original Arola Architecture Studio. Brian, we had some we had some guests a couple weeks ago, and you sit around and you say, you know, you say, okay, where are we going to go eat? You know, my sister and brother-in-law came up and and they did a little bit of work for us. We have a backsplash now um, because my brother-in-law is good with tile, so that was kind of cool. Sure. Uh, so it was like, okay, we want to take them out to celebrate, and you know, you. Because of the celiac, you start to tick stuff off where we can and cannot go. Right. right. And we didn't want to just go like to a fast food place. And so it was Dana said, you know where we need to take them? We need to take them to Blackwoods. Right. And we got there. They hadn't been there before, right? They live in a camper their whole the whole year. So we went we went there and I got the ribs because the ribs there are amazing. They are. And Dana got the hamburger because she just loves their hamburgers. I was going to say, they're also amazing. But it was really interesting because my brother-in-law, who I didn't know what he was going to get, he went and got the pot roast. 
And afterwards he was like, that's, that's as good as my mom's pot roast from when I was a kid. So it's always cool when you can go to a sponsor and have people that haven't been there before or haven't been there in a long, long time say, this food is amazing. Always great to hear that. Speaking of amazing food and our sponsors, Blackwoods Tavern, what have you, amazing food available right now until two o'clock because it is the weekend. It's a great time for brunch and uh, Tavern has that. I did partake a couple of weeks back. I had the sunny side skillet. I'll tell you two things about it. It's huge and delicious. And so if you're looking to get very full of something very good, highly recommend it. Yeah, it's it's so cool that the Blackwoods group supports us because yes. you know, you and I spend money there. We spend money at all of our sponsors. Well, we used to, and then they started showering us with gift cards as well. well but the funny thing is, is talking to Aaron the other day, I sent him a couple of reviews because, again, he's looking for cars. Sure. I think we're going to be spending money at Kohler Hyundai here in, in uh, a short period of time as well. And what he can do is get the right car to not be single anymore because we can talk to Dave Hoops in a while about speed dating because the first Wednesday of what? June yes. is coming up soon. That's right. And and uh, I almost said he needs the assistance, but I didn't say that. See, I almost said it, Ooh. but I, I didn't say it. Um, now, nah, the, the kid's got a lot of stuff going on again. You know, he got a bump at, at, the, at the workplace. He's done a number of things, you know, for us. He's looking at a, a dog. He took care of Frank's for us the other day. So he's kind of the OG of fans of this show, him and my mom. Your son, Aaron, and my mom, Penny, is and, and hoops. probably our first hoops. ever fans and our first ever sponsor as we're talking about our sponsors a role architecture studio he's been with us from the word oh, go goodness and we're gonna do drawing lines a little early this week we're having some fun with this because late last night i was impressed that you were still awake especially after all your traveling i was about ready to go to bed and my phone lit up and i thought dave cook after 11 this can't be good i wonder who i'm co-hosting the show with tomorrow <laughs> turned out it was still you but we were talking about the twins game as we started the show talking about twins baseball and i said Duran was out there throwing breaking stuff at 101. And I had sent that to you earlier, and you sent back to me, does he have the greatest stuff of any Twins pitcher ever? And then we started talking about, what about this guy because of this pitch? This guy because of this pitch? And I said, okay, what we've discovered is best pitch. You didn't say that. You said best stuff. Yep. And I do lean Duran despite how early it is in his Twins career. But we started saying, what if you built the perfect pitcher in Twins history, based on Twins pitchers' pitches. Yep. We're going to try that. Yeah, because... I and mean, I figured I'd try the Twins pitchers' pitches because I didn't want you to have to spit yeah. that out. Oh, goodness gracious. Right. That would have been bad. Everybody that listens knows that would have been awful. However, everybody may have had, you know, our long-term guys may have had their drinks ready. I was going to say, the Northland Sports Page drinking game yeah. would have been in full force. Yeah. Go ahead. No, I think I think that it's interesting because we have a number of of pitches we can look at, right? Because you got the fastball, the slider, the curveball... Sinkers, splitters, we've got, and we've had pitchers that all have uh, magic changeup. We well, have a and couple of those thing. guys. How many do you want this perfect pitcher to have? We got to give them five because right? guys like you, Darvish, will tell you, "Well, I've got seven. And you know, there have been reinvented pitches. You mentioned the, the sweeper. sweeper, and Joe Vavra said, uh, "That's just a big slider." Yep. You know, I don't know <laughs> what we're said. doing with new names for it. And really, there was a while besides velocity where I didn't understand the difference between. A splitter and the old school forkball. Mm -hmm. What was the difference? Velocity is probably it. Yep. So you want to give them five? Okay, I'm good with that. Yeah, we can give them five. And if there's a specialty pitch, we I mean, if you want to go with the splinker or whatever it is, the Duran pitches. So uh, we are doing twins history. We're not building a perfect pitcher off of Major League Baseball, are we? No, that would be a whole different conversation. And, the, and you know who would like that one? Pitt, because I would give Nolan Ryan's fastball probably the... You probably would. My question would be, can we have the fifth be a knuckleball? And is it Joe Necro or is it R.A. Dickey? Because those are really the two Nuxies that stick out for me for the Twins. Necro was on what became a world championship team, but he wasn't very good. R.A. Dickey had a great career after he yeah, left here. We, right. didn't, we didn't have Cy Young R.A. Dickey. We had a different kind of Dickey joke I, that I could make. Because remember, when he was drafted, he was a power pitcher. Right. And we and got him between. In Minnesota, he was a problem anymore. child. Yes. Yeah, I can't throw fast anymore, and I don't have any breaking stuff. Correct. Rebuilt himself. But okay, so if we're going to build the perfect Twins pitcher out of uh, Twins history, don't we have to start with Bly Levin's curveball? You do. Because I think if you built the perfect pitcher in Major League Baseball history and you brought up the curveball, he's in that discussion anyway. He is, absolutely. 
the uh, 12 to 6 or as right. they call it. Which is such a tired baseball cliche, but it does paint the picture if you don't understand it. Right. And and the old school guys would say, you know, Blylevin had Lord Charles. Right. You know, and Uncle so, Charlie. Yep. Well, he had Lord Charles. Right. So. Uncle Charlie is the generic brand. For, Tyler Duffy had yeah. <laughs> Uncle Charlie. He had hang them and bang them curveballs. Yes. Yeah, so the um, Blylevin's curveball was special. You know, we talk about strikeout kings. You know, we had fun with Nolan Ryan and all that. Blylevin didn't have all that velocity, and he's still in like the top seven or eight in strikeouts of all times because of the nastiest curveball maybe ever. I agree. I think the fastball's easy. I think it's got to be Duran just because you have something that can register 104 easily if you want to debate that by all means. But I think the difficult one is the changeup because there's two dynamite lefties with Cy Young-type history. One has a World Series ring, one doesn't. I'm looking at Frankie V or I'm looking at Johan. The changeup is incredible. Yeah, nope. Those are those are two really good ones. If I remember right, uh, Brad Radke made a career out of a changeup too. Um, you know, he, his ERAs were bloated in a time when there was you know steroids rampant. But that guy won twenty games throwing basically a changeup the whole day. Um, and so, but you also had, you know, Morris wasn't here long enough, but his changeup was nasty. See, and I was going to say his splitter because yep. it. But he'll probably win the but splitter. It, but part. if you put the splinker in that same discussion. Because are we splitting the difference? Because I'm going splitter Jack Morris. I'm almost giving the sinker to Carlos Silva, and people can laugh at me. I'll, but there's a reason that he succeeded as a ground ball pitcher, and that was why. The the sinker probably is Scott Erickson's. The power sinker that blew his arm In out. In his prime, and that prime was don't blink. But yep. yeah, you might be right. Yep, when the, that pitch blew his arm out, but he was, you know, that that guy. But there was, you know, Eddie Guardado's uh, changeup was also, I mean, he is a closer on guts and guile. Isn't that what they used to say? Right. Uh, and so the, but I think Johan is, um, Johan at some point, if he was, if he had just retired now, Johan probably be in the hall of fame, right? Because we don't worry about wins. Anymore. I still make an argument that that day should come. I agree. And he might, right. But as a, as an old timer, but you know, today they don't worry so much about wins. They don't right. worry so much about innings pitched. And so Johan was a shooting star. I mean, for a five, six-year period, he was as good as anybody ever, right? And so, Johan, Johan wasn't that guy until he learned the changeup from Pasqual, and his changeup got him, though. Oh, no, Mike Cuellar. He learned it from Cuellar, right. didn't he? Former Duluth Superior Dukes pitching coach Mike Cuellar of the Baltimore Orioles. Absolute stud pitching staff fame as well. It's always fun pieces of trivia. It's, I think it's Jim Palmer. McNally, Dobson, Cuellar. That's yep, their that fab four, if you nice. will. That's one that I always try to get, especially because I had one of them on a bus throughout the Northern League telling me stories about all the other three. And we'd walk into the Duke's clubhouse sometimes, and back when ESPN Classic was in regular channel rotation, people would say, where's Mike? Where's Mike? He's watching an old game of his in the clubhouse. He'll be out <laughs> later. And then he would remember pitch by pitch. We always you know, fascinate ourselves with when a starter can remember a bad pitch he threw in the fifth inning after the game. When you throw so many, that seems interesting. When you have somebody, you know, Mike Cuellar, rest in peace now, but when you have somebody that was in his 70s, 80s, and remembered a pitch he threw 25 years ago in the third inning, that was fascinating as well. Oh, yeah, I can't imagine. I mean, but we talk about that with pro athletes often, where they can recall more details than most people. Absolutely. What if you gave Frank Viola the changeup? And you shouldn't, because it should be Johan, but then do you throw Johan you give him the slider? No, because I think Joe Nathan's slider is... I think so, too, and I was hoping you'd bring that up. I just didn't think you would because you don't love closers. No, I don't, but his pitch was, you know, amazing. Yes. Um, But the other guy who had a slider, again, shooting star, how about uh, Liriano? Right. Liriano's slider was the reason he was a major league pitcher until his arm just fell off. And I think that was initially why he came out of the bullpen. Before they started him, he was an eighth-inning guy, and you went, well, this will work because nobody could touch that. Right. You know, the other guy who had a really good slider was John Smiley. Again, he was here for a year, so it... It didn't much Still matter. irks me that he was here for a year. Yes, he should have been here much longer, but he wanted money. We went from Morris to Smiley, and that was a pretty smooth transition. We just couldn't keep either one. <laughs> exactly right. But you know who You know who else had um, a really good slider was uh, Jeff Reardon. And the thing about Jeff Reardon is he's the guy that came in and gave the Twins the confidence to win, right? Because Ron Davis was the other guy. You know what his greatest pitch was? The batting practice fastball. I was going to say the wiffle ball? Yeah. Well, you know who had a pretty good slider and his career amounted to nothing? And you went, if you could just consistently continue to develop that pitch, I think of Mike Trombley. 
Because yeah. when it was really good, it was really good. And then people caught on and it was leaving the yard. Not unlike the Duffy curveball. We all went, well, this kid's got it. Look at that curveball. You wanted him to close. And I went, this is why we shouldn't look at that curveball. The um, But, you know, guys like David West, who had all the stuff in the world but couldn't find a strike zone. And when they did, it was gone. You know, um, who was the guy that the Twins had uh, with the Radke team, the, the fastball guy that couldn't find the strike zone, but the ball moved all over the place? It, not like he played the less striker role. Um, I'll have to think of it. Yeah, They've had a lot of those because that that kid had nine or you know five or six. I'll need pitches. a few more password clues to get that one from me. You know my favorite pitcher. I wish Hoops Beer came in pitchers. He's next. We'll be right back. This is the Northland Sports Page. Brian Prudhomme, Dave Cook. We drew some lines. We created a pitcher. I'll tell you what. The Twins have created about seven good starters this year, using five at a time. They've all did all right. Drawing lines. You just threw me a lifeline. Thank you, Brian. I did. Trying to save you as best I can. Yes. Save the show. We're still here until noon. Stick around. We'll be right back. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Back on the Northland Sports Page, absolutely, it's a party all the time. You're in the studio down at the Holiday Center downtown Duluth. Brian Prudhomme, Dave Cook, having some fun. Again, congratulations to all the seniors who had their last day yesterday. So again, the method to our madness behind the music selections today, they are either from Dave Cook's class of 1986 or my class of 1997, and I will fully admit that so far the musical edge in a big way goes to Dave Cook, <laughs> even though I will contend that Eddie Murphy's best albums might have been raw and delirious right. comedy albums, but Party All the Time works too. And I'll tell you what, we're going to Hoops Brewing, Dave Hoops, in just a moment. I want to party all the time there because I went to grad parties there See, last weekend. that was the method to the madness. And it was completely awesome. And we're going to be able to partake in Hoopla, do a live show there on the 24th too. Yeah, this is really exciting. You gotta, I mean, if you're listening, you like the show, Hoopla is coming up. We are going to be there. We're very pleased that we were asked to to be there as part of this. Yeah, I got the message from Jen earlier this week, and, and that's one. There are some offers in this world where you just say, like, I'm going to say no. That was one. Yep. yep. Uh, it's going to be so much fun to be involved in that event at that location with friends of ours. I mean, so come on down uh, and hang out with us on the 24th. No question about it. Dave Hoops from pretty much the get-go has been one of the best friends that this show could make. His weekly appearance starts now. Dave Hoops, good morning, sir. Good morning, guys. Thanks for all those plugs. I'm super excited you're going to be on site. It actually makes the whole event better. So everybody's happy around here. I absolutely think it'll be a blast because, quite frankly, Dave, it always is. I told you last weekend I went to Charlie and Mike's grad party at Hoops. What a venue that you guys put on for that type of occasion. It was just perfect. Got to christen the outdoor seating. The weather is getting nicer. You mentioned everybody fired up about Hoopla. Everybody's got to be just happy in general because summer's coming and everything just kind of has a more sunny disposition, pun fully intended, when that happens. It, it's true, and if you happen to see it this week, there'll be an article in the DNT that I wrote about people for real are coming back, and I wrote this, this big long list of reasons to have a beer or having a beer while you're doing X, and um, that was fun to write. But your point is really valid. Today is the grand opening of the Ag said beer garden, and it looks like it's going to be decent weather. So. Summer, summer, summer. Bring it. Yes. Absolutely. 100%. Bring that on. I want to go back to the first segment. I hope that you are listening because I want your opinion on it. Now, I saw on Twitter earlier this week that anybody who's complaining about the matchups in the NBA or Stanley Cup finals is simply an elitist. And I kind of rolled my eyes and went, well, people that are complaining know enough about the sport to complain, but will probably watch it anyway. We're complaining on behalf of those that aren't diehards a.k.a. not the three of us. What do you say to somebody that says, well, I don't really know anybody on Denver. I don't know anybody on Miami. I don't care about the Panthers. I don't really care about Vegas. What do you say to somebody to try to get them to watch these right now? Because that's my concern. If you're not super passionate about the sport, these teams aren't going to help you, in my opinion. Well, there's a lot to unpack there. That was a really good segment. Um, elitist, I, I don't agree. It's it's like you said earlier, these super teams that LeBron started the whole problem 
uh, you know, I'm bored with that too, and it, it really takes away from it. Denver is a great story, number one, great sports town. You already talked about that. And if you don't know any of the players, then you fine. You're not a follower. The, the storyline with the Heat and, and the Panthers being from the same city, winning for the first time is great. Um, the Vegas and Panthers thing, Dave was talking earlier, no, I don't like to chuck at all, and Vegas is the Sark's biggest rival. But I'm watching, at, of course, I'm a hardcore, right? But I'm watching because it's that time of the year. And like Dave said earlier, it's, it's going to be on, and I'm going to tune in. Now, if you want to watch something else, fine. But in the background, having it on, that's reason enough. It's about sport. It's about this is what this show is about. No, I agree with some of that, but I also find it very interesting because you said it's the time of the year, so I'm going to watch. I've always contended that the reason that some people don't watch is because you just said a moment ago, summer, 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 bring it on. You know, families are starting to get soccer teams rolling. Duluth FC obviously has their own. The Huskies opened yesterday. Eventually, maybe crowds will start to go there. It wasn't very good for the opener last night, but it's very early in quote-unquote summer. I don't, even though I'm a hardcore of each sport, I don't associate June, even though years past should tell me to, with NBA and NHL. It, it doesn't work for me. That's part of the problem. You know the thing, Dave, uh, When you're, if you really want a reason to watch this, and I've used this as a Winnipeg example forever. I've wanted to be there during one of their playoff whiteouts. The intros and the, uh, the celebration that Vegas does before a game, that might be a reason to if you're a, if you're a casual to sit down and at least watch the pregame in Vegas because it's supposed to be amazing. Yeah, well, it is, and you know, but and Brian, to your point, like, so it's Finn's birthday this weekend, birthday weekend, and tonight I'm making this big dinner for everybody. Well, okay, we're all together, but in the background, it's going to be on. Yeah, you know, that's the thing. So your your points are really valid about outside and everything, but to me, June is the Stanley Cup Finals. But of course, that's my world. Right. I mean, what can I say? Yeah. Right, and that's like you know, for a lot of people that I associate with. April means the Masters. For me, April means opening day of baseball. For Dave, opening day is good, but April means the NFL draft. And I, I roll everything else and go, no, baseball started. That's what you need to be focused on. But again, we can't you know, tell people how to think, even though a lot of avenues of social media certainly try. I want to ask you, though, Dave Hoops, about the villainous nature of things. Is disliking some player or some team enough to watch? Because I only brought up the Packers. Because that's the only team that I'll plant myself on a piece of furniture and vehemently cheer against. The others, I can say, I hope Team X doesn't win, but if they do, I'm not going to be angry. Does does not liking someone do enough in these cases? I can't speak for the casual fan. Um, the only time that I've ever been in that position is, and I brought him up last week, I think, the Bertuzzi situation, when, when they played us, when they played you know, the Wild. And then the Wild won that series. And then, of course, he turned around and butchered that Colorado guy. Um, wanting him to have something bad happen to him was a reason to watch if he was on. But I can't say that for regular players that's a villain. Not at all, really. Uh, there's a lot of players I don't like. I don't like LeBron much. But you have to watch LeBron because he's amazing. You know, that kind of thing. So. All right, so we're yeah. asking Dave Oops just about any and all questions like we do every week, but Dave Cook has the best ones. I defer to him right now. All right, let's start with let's start with one that should be kind of fun. And and it would be interesting to have everybody that's listening, you know, pipe into this. So I was I was digging through some pictures the other day and came across some baseball cards, right? And there were two that I particularly liked. I have a Michael Jordan Birmingham Barons picture which I or card which I thought was cool. But I I got one of I kept one for some reason of Hideo Nomo. Right. And in the crazy windup that he had. And it's just it, I must have really liked it. And, and it's still pretty cool. Guys, growing up, what was your favorite baseball card? Oh, I've got uh, several, but I'll let Dave Hoops go first. Dave, were you a collector? Because I really was. Uh, of course. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and you know, I, I had like 12 different Jordans, for example. But in my office today, and it's still from when I was a kid, I have my very favorite card. And it's a baseball card, but it's Ahmad Rashad. It's, you know, a football player. But it's still sitting on my desk, like right above my computer. And it is from when I was, I don't know, 12 or something. So it's my most favorite. Thanks for the question. I loved it. Yeah, this is an awesome question because I had an uncle that was very invested in the sports card, mainly baseball, but the sports card industry. If anybody remembers in the Duluth area, the company called Tim and Larry Sports Cards. Tim is my uncle. So for almost every birthday as a child... I knew I was getting what was a full set of baseball cards for that year, 792 cards. I remember the number. But 
for me, I've still got my Kirby Puckett rookie card framed and in a glass shelf at home. I remember 1986 Fleer being my favorite set for a long time. You guys know my infatuation with Paul O'Neill. I've got Paul O'Neill and Cal Daniels in a split card nice. as Major League prospects, and I hung on to that forever. And then the same prospect in that year's set, Jose Canseco, who amounted to a lot, Eric Plunk, who didn't. I hung on to a couple of those. So those were fun, but this was back in the day where I would get the Beckett each month and check the value because I thought I was going to be rich someday, and I'm 44 now, and uh, that hasn't happened yet. Yeah, the the couple that I have in the safety deposit box, I just kind of keep holding on waiting. I once had a bus driver who knew I liked sports and knew I liked baseball, and he was giving me random questions one day, and it was multiple choice. It was, what's your favorite color, red or white? What's your favorite number between 14 and 5? He had baseball cards of Johnny Bench or Pete Rose, and he was going to give me one. I ended up with like a 1974 Pete Rose card. Oh, so in other words, he had beforehand had talked to the people at the bus stand and said, I'll give you a dollar if he chooses Pete Rose. Right. Um, okay. Pete Rose bet on me too. So here's here's the next question. I, and I heard this uh, the other day, and I, and I wanted to pose it to you, Dave. Um, okay. So the last few years of the Zimmer and um, Spielman regime, there's always seemed to be some contentious nature of the draft picks, Kirk Cousins, you know, Zim didn't want him, all those things. Looking back at the drafts, the last three or four drafts, was Zimmer right? Look at the guys that they drafted and that made it or didn't make it. Was Zimmer right about these players that he kept saying, don't draft this guy, don't draft that guy? Go ahead, Dave. We take a shot at Zimmer all the time when it comes to this. Go ahead, Dave. Um, To a point, I think he was. Uh, You know, and I don't much really like giving him... Well, he deserves that. Uh, I think he was sort of right. I I think he was more right than wrong. Um, You know, although... Brian and I spent all kinds of time sticking up for cousins, which we shouldn't have to. Right. Um, you know, but uh, I think, yeah, I think that he made some really good points. That's just, I'll go that far. How about that? <laughs> I would agree with that. I don't think it's worth, you know, piling on Mike Zimmer in the negative, even if this team continues to grow and succeed post him. I don't think there's any doubt that he had wisdom and a fair amount of talent evaluation strength to him. But I also think in game life was passing him by. So agreed. He was correct on a lot of things. Was he correct enough to save a job? I know that's not the question, but no. I just wonder at some point, would he have been better off drafting and scouting? Because look at what he said about... I agree with you because yeah. because my take is this, and this is going to sound a little bit soft, but does he know how to evaluate a person? Resounding yes. Does he know how to treat a person? Sounded like resounding no by the right, time he left. Right. So the final question, I just got uh, back from Arizona and had some interesting components of my trip. Uh, Gentlemen, I wanted to ask you a question about what, in your mind, makes a good airline trip, makes a good plane trip. How short can it be? That's not my answer, but Dave Hoops, go ahead. That's a great question. Um, So I've got a few to that one. So I just went to France last month and and helped Daisy out, and I don't love to fly. I'll start with that. But what I learned is I always know I spend the money for Comfort Plus, um, which is a little bit more but it's further up in the airplane. And I always put myself on a window. Um, those two things being, being able to look outside and being closer to the front seem to relax me. And then a bunch of good movies. I mean, that's really the deal just to make the time go by and no turbulence. Let, let's go with those things. Those are all good. Speaking of making the time go by, we're a little up against it for time. So I'll give a shorter answer, but not just that, but Dave hoops made it really easy for me because I know you can't see us, Dave, because radio is not a visual medium, but I wish you could have seen the amount of head nodding and, lip syncing me too to everything that you said because I don't do the window I do the aisle because I like to feel like if I need to get out I can because it's harder for me to climb over somebody but the rest of it is absolutely correct comfort plus done it many times it's a must good movie selection you blink and suddenly a flight is over I remember coming home from Las Vegas once and we were landing about 15 minutes before a movie I hadn't seen was going to end only time in my life I've been upset that the flight was over because I wanted to see how the movie ended but that does make it easy Dave Hoops, we're going to talk to you a little bit about the brewery because Dave Cook is kicked back, and that tells me he's out of questions for today, which is fine because we are up against it for time. But I do want to talk a little bit about the brewery. You've got the grand opening of the beer garden. I have to tell you, I tried the Mexican lager last weekend. I hadn't yet. What the heck did I wait for? That is delicious, my friend. Oh, thank you so much. The secret there is we zest a whole bunch of lemons and limes. And that's, there you go. There's the secret. So thank you for that. 
I'm very excited because tomorrow is Mr. Hoops' 21st birthday, and his beer is on tap, Finn's Finest, number 21. I've heard it 21 times. I'll be bringing him in there so he can purchase one officially. Um, the Strawberry Half is back on tap, and um, it's really quite, quite nice. We have five wheat beers on right now. I know I keep babbling about warm weather. There you go. Nothing wrong with and, that. Um, go ahead. Yeah, and you, you, you plugged everything else really good. And I also want to say I'm going to my favorite place. I'm going to the beach. I'll be broadcasting from Carolina next week with you guys, so that'll be really cool. Beautiful. We're going to meet Daisy there. Yeah, so um, so we've got a lot to look forward to this month with uh, cumulating in Hoopla right on top of the 4th of July, so it's all good. It is absolutely going to be awesome. We'll have to talk a little French Open next week as well because I wondered for a guy that's been in Paris recently – if you time that a little off, we don't have time to talk about it today, but Roland Garros should have been on your list, my friend. I think that would have been neat. But it's always neat to talk to you. Another fun segment today. Happy birthday to Finn. Let's talk again in about a week when you're in sunny Carolina. That'll be great. And, yes, let's talk Paris for sure. Thanks, guys. Thank Thanks, you Dave. as well. That's our guy, Dave Hoops at Hoops Brewing. Go on down. The outdoor seating is open. Had a great time there last weekend with the soft opening. It's the grand opening this weekend. Go and enjoy it. Lots of good beer. All the bachelors, bachelorettes out there, too. Wednesday, it's the first Wednesday of June. Go ahead and check it out. It'll be a good reason to uh, do some speed dating. Obviously, it doesn't take a lot of time. Speaking of time, we're up against it. Paul Allen is next. One hour is done. One hour to go. Stick around. We'll be right back. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.